So tonight, uh, we're, it's, it's, it, the, the strange thing is so much weird material in the first two chapters of 1 Kings, and, and it's, it's not something that you can preach very easily, so I decided what are some insights you can learn from this, the final days of King David. Now, I've got news for you just in case you forgot, just in case you got yourself so busy that you uh, forgot this truth. You are going to die. It's profound, isn't it? You are going to die. Now, most of us are living so busy, and we're, you know, we're staying healthy, and we're not thinking about it very much. But the truth is, death is going to come to us. Unless the Lord comes, you're going to die. Now, for young people, they're over here going, that's going to be so far away. Why are we even hearing a lesson on this? But there's something important to know before you need to know it, right? Uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Isaac said this in Genesis 27 too. He says, I am old, I do not know the day when I will die. But in this passage, what was read just a moment ago, David knows his days are coming to an end. And as he's, he's talking to his son, he says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. What a weird way to say it. I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know what he means by that? I'm about to experience what everything on earth is going to experience. Go back to the earth. It's kind of the, I could sing the circle of life right now, but I'm not. I'm going to spare you that and shorten the sermon a little bit, right? Our days are numbered. Many of us will have the advantage of knowing it's coming. Rufus did. He just chose that day when he's going to take that oxygen off, and it was not very long. He knew it. But then we also know from life in church that there are people that had no idea it was coming. We've recently had one of those too, haven't we? No idea it's coming. One of those ways is how you will exit this earth. It's, it's interesting, and I guess, I guess if I were to choose one or the other, you would choose to at least have some time to know. And finishing strong is what the first two chapters, I think, about 1 Kings can really tend to. How do we live with such integrity that when those days come, we finish with a strong finish? I, I'm I've a person, I worked with young people for two or three years and loved it, but, but I've, since I was little, I was raised around old people. Uh, I was kind of my, my uh, I was with grandparents in the church that I grew up in, they were all old people. And so I'd walk in every Sunday morning and start shaking hands, just like I do here. That's not a preacher thing, that's just a me thing. And so I'd go around and talk, about the, talk to the old people, they'd talk to me, and it was great, and I loved them, they were my grandparents. Everybody got to spank me evenly if they wanted to. That's just kind of how I was raised. And then, and then I was always drawn to be a hospice volunteer, and I did that for a while. And, and I saw these people as they were closing out their years, and they knew it was coming. And you get to have those conversations with them. Conversations where the small talk just doesn't have a feature, right? It's just like, we're going to prepare for this. And I've been taking notes all my life about how to die well, right? How to die well. And so he, I think David gives us a, a thing. Here's the first thing to know about dying well or finishing strong, um, be willing to listen to trusted people. Um, you're going to be more and more dependent. It's going to reverse. You know, as a kid, you're being raised to be independent more and more, but you've got to do the opposite as you get older. You've got to get more and more dependent and be as gracious about it as you can because you simply cannot do everything you once did. 
How many know this is true? As you get older, you can't do what you want to do. Yeah, you know it, right? You know one of my favorite songs that we used to sing, sing much anymore? Never Grow Old. I love that song, In a Land Where We'll Never Grow Old. You just don't hear that anymore. Uh, it went out with Hebor at all, I guess. I don't know. But it, that's certainly not a clod-hopping song, for sure. But it, it's... Uh, there comes a time when you need to trust people around. Maybe here's the, 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 the lesson. In your life, figure out as you live your life who you can trust. Because, I mean, many people have trusted the wrong people as they grew older. But find out who's trustworthy and learn that you can trust them when you can't do it yourself. Now, how do we know that David was so old that he couldn't do things himself? Well, the first, <laughs> the first paragraph is really weird of this book. David was so old he couldn't heat himself anymore. He didn't, his heater didn't work. How many of you, as you get older, get cold easily? Yep, see, your heater's going out. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, your heater's going out. Start to look. Get, get, get the HVAC stuff, people, right? He couldn't because he just couldn't generate heat. So, so he comes, I do not suggest you do this. He comes up to his family and says, can we get a young virgin um, to, to, to sleep with me in my bed to keep me warm? I, I just want to see, has anybody tried that with your wife? Anybody? Anybody tried that with your elders? Anybody go to the elders and say, and it wasn't a sexual alliance at all. It was a heating mechanism because the man was old and he couldn't keep himself warm and neither could his 12 wives. And so he, he gets this young virgin who, who kind of warms him up at night. You wouldn't think that would be in the Bible, would you? Have you ever heard that at BBS? Let's do a skit. Let's do a skit, right? And this is what we should do. We don't talk about, and the only reason that's there is, and by the way, she had to be beautiful. Why? What difference does it make? Get a big old young woman. Isn't that the best way? I mean, wouldn't it seem? Anyway, he's just old, and he's bedridden mostly, it looks like, in the story. Now, he's, here's the thing about being willing to trust people. He no longer could keep his ear on what's happening in the kingdom, and people are antsy. They know his days to die, just like he does. They know it's going to come. And what they know by now is it's no longer God particularly picking a king like he did with Saul and with David. Now it's an offspring of David. It's the promise of 2 Samuel 7. And everybody knows it. It's going to be David's line now, right? Uh, but the thing is, David has so many wives, so many concubines. He's got so many sons to choose from. He's got so many progenitors, I put that in there for Gary James' sake. Okay, th that's it. Not because he has progenitors. It's because, it's because I, that's a word in Reader's Digest a couple months ago, and I decided I wanted to try it. So there it is, progenitors. So he has a bunch of offspring out there. Some of them have died, right? Some of them have already died. We've seen Absalom die and Amnon die, and we've seen it, it's Jonathan's dead. So, we, uh, of course, that's Saul's son. But you, you've got them. But so, so who's it going to be? He doesn't even know that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, that's the woman he had this child with, has decided he wants to be king, and he just can't wait to be king. Anyway, so uh, he decides he's going to do it, and he starts having this meeting, and he invites all these people, but he leaves out the ones, leaves out some significant people, which kind of sends up a red flag. He's doing this political thing. And he says, I'm going to make myself king. And he starts having a party and a polit he sets up the, uh, the, the, the headquarters for his political party. And he's about, he's about to make himself king and it's getting all exciting. And 
Nathan hears about it. Nathan is the prophet of God that David has learned to trust. He's got somebody in his life who will tell him some hard truths. Nathan has told David some hard truths, and David has learned to trust Nathan. Nathan hears about it. He knows what's happening. He comes up to Bathsheba and says, we've got to find a proper way to tell David what's going on because what we know is that that's not the next king. We know that David's already made his decision. We haven't been told that in Scripture anywhere. But David himself acknowledges that here shortly in chapter 1. And Nathan knows and Bathsheba knows that Solomon is to be the next one. So they come up with a plan on how they're going to tell David. And they come in and they tell David and David is alarmed. But here's the thing. If he didn't lean on some trusted people, there would have been a real mess in Israel. It would have fallen apart real early. But he trusted Nathan. He trusted Bathsheba. And he took on himself and he said, yes, that's true. Let me take care of it. We'll put, him on, we'll put Solomon on my animals. We'll haul him around and we'll make sure that everybody knows he's king. And it settles the issue like that. He would have never known this without knowing some trusted people. As you get older, you can't make those decisions. I mean, I don't, I don't uh, promote like businesses or lawyers, but we have a lawyer uh, back here who, if you need to do something with like, what do you call it, a power of attorney or stuff like that because you lose the capacity to know what to do and you need to trust people, prepare for that. We in the church need to talk about this sometimes and even provide you an avenue of knowing how to figure that out. Dustin Jones will help you with that, right? And he knows what he's talking about. And so that's what David does. He knows who he can trust, and he trusts them. Second thing, and it won't be near as long as this, honor the commitments you've made. This goes to chapter 1, verse 29. Then David answered, call Bathsheba to me. This is verse 28. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. The king swore, saying, as the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity, as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. Even so, I will do this day. I'm going to honor the covenant I made with you. Talking to Bathsheba, also told Nathan. He has said that already, and he's going to honor that. And that's what you need to do. Be a person who honors your word. As you get older, keep the character you've established for yourself. Maintain your character. Number three, inspire and empower those who survive you. How's he going to prepare Solomon? He's basically uh, incapable of doing much. David, at this point, is very debilitated, but he still has his words. And he still has his wisdom. And that's where we pick up the reading we just had in chapter 2, verse 1. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I'm about to go the way to all the earth. Be strong. Be a man. I love this line. Dads and sons, this is your script. This is a cue for you. Have a conversation. Show your son's how to be a man. Now, the way he gets these words, if you, didn't, if you didn't know any better, you'd swear he just took Joshua chapter 1 and he summarized it for his son. And why not? 
Because that's God speaking to Joshua about how to carry on after Moses. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. Just do my word. That's the key. And so David sets up, here's the key for every king that follows me. And he quotes God. Now listen to what he says. Keep the charge of the Lord your God, the commandment of God. One of the first things a king was to do is to take the entire law of God and write it in his own hand script, right? He's just to write it. So I want you to know what the word says. I want you to keep the charge, willing to walk in his ways, keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, his testimonies as written in the law of Moses. I want you to do exactly what God tells you to do. That you may prosper in all you do and wherever you turn, and the Lord will establish his word that he spoke to me. Here's what God spoke to me, and he quotes God, and here's what God had told him. If your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack any man on the throne of Israel. If your sons will just do what I say, that's all I'm asking, follow the script I give them. Now, you're going to be tempted to do what Elvis did. I did it my way. And do you see how it ended? Do you see where his way led? Ain't cool, right? And God says, I don't want you doing it your way. I want you to do it my way. I've given you the words. Now, what I ask you to do is don't be innovative and don't go off-roading. It's going to be challenging enough to do what I tell you as is. We need to tell our kids the same thing I heard from my grandparents and the same thing we taught at church. I want you to teach it different. I want you to teach it in new, fresh ways, but I want it to be the same material. I want it to be the same truth. I want it to be the same thing because the same stuff that saves Solomon and that's going to save every king and every person in Israel is the same thing that's going to save us. Let's do the words of the Lord and walk in his ways and let's just be honoring him. You're going to have choices. And every king from here on out, when he's evaluated, he's going to be evaluated this way. Who did he walk like? Did he walk in all the ways of God and David his father? Or did he walk in the kings of Israel and the people of the land? Which way did he walk in? And how that evaluation goes is where they're buried and what their heritage is. That's the secret. Last one. This one's kind of weird. I didn't know what to do with it, but it's there. There might be a need to tie up any loose ends. David has a few things he hasn't taken care of. And I'm just going to... What's interesting to me in chapter 2, verse 6 and verse 9, he says, Solomon, you're wise enough to know how to handle this. And he pushes it forward to Solomon because David didn't do it all. Number one, serve out justice to Joab for killing Abner and Amasa. This will thrill Joel Inman's wife. You may remember we had this discussion. She didn't like Joab. I kind of thought he was neat. Well, she wins because Joab dies. Anyway, so David says, there's justice to be done there. I'm not qualified to deal out that justice, but you and your wisdom are. Second, so show some special loyalty to the sons of Barzillai. They did some special things of loyalty to David. And he says, I want you to make sure that you're loyal to them. And there is this proverb Melissa and I were reading the other day. We're finally doing the proverb. How many finished the proverbs already? How many, how many are close? How many just disregarded it all? No, don't say that. But, but there's this one about 
Always be loyal to your friends and the friends of your father. I love that. You know what it's saying? If somebody was special and befriended your parents, you treat them with a little special respect. There's something about that that should come to you. And I think that's true. When somebody, and it's like this. If somebody shows kindness to your kids, you show them kindness, don't you? Because it just naturally comes to you. Same thing for your parents, their friends. And, and to finally, serve out justice to Shimei too. And you'll read in the rest of chapter 2 how he does that. I think you should look at it this way, though. I think this was a... I'm going to put this as a category at the end, but there are some open-ended matters in our lives, and we should try to close them out as quickly as we can because you may not have the time to do this, and you may not have someone who could do it for you after you're dead. If there's a grudge that needs to be forgiven, do it now. Do it now and live without any regrets. That's your safest bet. If there is love and gratitude that needs to be expressed, do it now. Do it in real time and don't wait until, I don't know, what are you waiting for? I don't know. And if there's loyalty that needs to be honored, do it now and don't wait. Tie up those loose ends because you're not guaranteed any time to do it. Which is why Jesus says, when you're sitting in worship, and you're about to take the Lord's Supper. I'm updating it here. And there you remember there's a conflict you're having. Get up right then and go fix it. And then come back and continue your worship. Take care of the open ends. There's an end to your life. Scripture guarantees it, unless Jesus comes, that your, your life is going to end. That, the shadow of the truth that it's going to end needs to drift into each day to give it some of its meaning, some of its significance, and some of the gravity that you need to be living with. Don't live like, i got to live every day like it's my last. That's not it, but it's just the idea of an awareness that we don't have unlimited days, so live each day as if they matter, which the psalmist Moses in Psalm 90 would applaud that application. Let's finish strong, but the way to finish strong really is to live strong. Live that way all the time. If you need to respond tonight for any particular reason, for a spiritual need in your life, make it known as we stand, as we sing together.